First Timothy, Second Timothy was written to Timothy by Paul. Amen. Uh, Timothy was Paul's uh, son in the ministry. Amen. And during the final phase, to know who we did when we started reading Paul's letters, what we did was started off with his earlier letters. Galatians, Thessalonians, uh, and then we went to the mid uh, Ephesians and Colossians, and now we're looking at some of the end time letters. And First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus are actually called pastoral letters. He was writing them, teaching them how to be pastors, how to lead the church. So these are, uh, are called pastoral letters. Amen. Uh, so at the end of his career, a serious dispute had broke out in Ephesus. Some of the church leaders had become false teachers, and they began teaching the people about keeping certain laws and things. Uh, and it is, it is easy to revert back to what you've always known. So we do need fresh reminders not to go backwards in our walk with Christ. Amen? Mm -hmm. That we should be going forward, moving more and more toward that liberty, toward that freedom in Christ. The Bible says, and I think we read this on the, uh, on the radio program Sunday, uh, we was talking about uh, grace and mercy, and I read the scripture where it says that if you don't call yourself a law James, he says you got to keep all of them. Because if you break one law, he says it's just like you broke them all. Mm -hmm. So when we put ourselves under these stringent laws, and when it's talking about the law, it is specifically talking about the Mosaic law. Remember that. That's an important point. Because teaching the grace message these days, people try to imply that the law is any kind of law that God is keeping you from. But really, when, when the Bible is talking about being a law keeper, following the law, people bringing up the law, they're talking about the Mosaic law, the uh, Jewish law. Uh, and, and we're not obligated to, to keep any of those anymore. But if a person does, for whatever reason, put themselves in a religion that's still trying to serve God by keeping stringent with laws, uh, it was said at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, I think it is, uh, Acts chapter 15 or Acts chapter 13, I get it confused. Uh, uh, Peter stood up, the Bible says he motioned with his hands and said, listen, uh, my brothers, he says, why do we keep putting the yokes around the brother's neck that we know our forefathers could keep? So he was encouraging the people not to uh, revert back to teaching the law. The gospel according to Jesus Christ, which I want to go over real quick before we get started. Let's go to 1 uh, Timothy chapter 1. And let's look at verse 15 real, real quick. And this is the gospel, hallelujah, in a nutshell. This is the gospel, the way that Paul uh, articulated it to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. sinners. And Paul goes on and says, I, which I am the worst of. Mm -hmm. I like the King James Version in the, in the King's language. It says, I'm the chiefest of. I'm the chiefest of sinners. Uh, and in verse 16, he says, but God. Come on, somebody say, but God. <laughs> we ain't no good, but God. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. I'm a liar, but God is the truth. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Amen, 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 amen. So we, we see that, he says in verse 16, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of this great patience when even with even the worst sinners. That's, that's the gospel in a nutshell, that Christ came to save sinners. 
Hallelujah. Amen. And Paul, uh, remember, Paul's job specifically, when he was knocked off his beast on the Damascus Road, the job that was specifically given to him was what? To teach the Gentiles. That's right. Paul was specifically ordained to teach those who were of the uh, non-Hebrew, uh, non-Jewish persuasion. Amen. Amen. So as we started First uh, Peter chapter 3 today, First uh, Peter chapter 3. Now this is instruction on Tim. how we, that's Tim. what I mean, First Timothy. <laughs> Amen. First Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3. Amen. And here we're going to see now, it, this, this uh, starts off again by saying what? Here is trustworthy saying. You see, so he's putting importance on this. In other words, I said a lot. You say, but out of, out of all I said, you need to catch this. Remember, he just started off 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 15, what we just read. He said what? This is a what? Trustworthy saying. It's, it's an important saying. And... Uh, in chapter 1, he says everybody should take hold to this thing. Here you are in chapter 3, verse 1, he says this is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. An honorable position. Listen, if you're going to take an honorable position, you know that going in. Hallelujah. So why get in an honorable position position, and then be surprised when the folk expect you to act honorable? Amen. God, God has uh, used me in such a magnificent way. I, I still don't know why and how, but I'm going to accept it and keep, and keep it. Because I don't think this is wrong. But uh, when I was on city council, we would get mail. And the mail would say the Honorable Jack Chapman. All the mail we would get as council members would say the Honorable. But then people would expect me to get on camera, on TV, and act unhonorable. Un I don't know if that's the right word, but act like I have no honor. Well, if, listen, if you're going to receive the title of Honorable, you got to know going into the job, that's an expectation that you would at least be honorable. That you would act like you can respect the position that you just accepted. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So he said, uh, verse 2. So a church leader, what's another word there? What's your Bible say? Overseer. Overseer. Bishop. All right. I just wanted to point that out to you now because when we talk about church leaders, there's biblically ordained church leadership, and then there's church leadership that we just kind of gave people titles for. Uh, of course, the pastor, the overseer, the bishop, the elder, all of that is on the same level. The, the pastor, the bishop, and the overseer, and the elder, that's all the same thing. That's, that, that, that's the top guy, or, or your, your, your top leadership. Then we see he, he, he breaks it down even further. When we read on a little bit further, you're going to see he's going to break it down to another category. Now, when we go back to the Psalms, and we read a lot of the Old Testament books, you'll understand that the musicians are a biblically ordained office. Musicians are biblically ordained. Now, uh, I, I, I tease Carrie and his family, and I call him Cora uh, every now and then, because when you read a lot of the Psalms, 
uh, a few of them was written by Korah. And, and they had a special marching place. When, when, when Israel would get together and march from place to place, the choir had a special place. They didn't just go march with their family. The choir was marching by themselves. Why? Because God believes in music. You see, we're waiting on the last trumpet to sound. We've read several times in Revelation that angels are, are people going to be given harps. So I'm not understanding where, you know, certain people say there shouldn't be no instruments in the church. So, you know, we just have to be careful how we uh, rightfully divide, but, or I should at this point just say divide God's word. Because sometimes we're not actually rightly dividing. Amen. Amen. So he says that, uh, so a church leader must be, watch this, come on, must be what? Huh? Uh, somebody, I hear two saying that elder that's you saying a man. Look at verse two. Let, let, let's look at what the King James says. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some of these things take liberty. Some of these newer transitions take take liberty. So in the King James, uh, verse two says, a bishop then must be blamed. The husband. That's right. The implication being what? It's a man. Now, uh, we read last week, Paul addressed women teaching and, and doing things in the church. Paul addressed that last week in chapter 2. And I pray God that I gave a well enough explanation that everybody uh, may, may not agree, but at least biblically you can see it. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because remember, Barak uh, said he wasn't going nowhere if Deborah wasn't going. <laughs> Hallelujah. If, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for the Ray, uh, Harlot, the Rahab, uh, Rahab the Harlot, uh, the, the spies probably would have got caught. Amen. So we could see uh, they had Bible study in the house of uh, uh, Phoebe and what, what's her husband? What's, what's their name? Was Priscilla, Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah. They had Bible study in the church at their house. Uh, it, was the, it was the ladies who was at the tomb early that morning to anoint Jesus' body with the spice. So I could go on and on about uh, female characters in the Bible having honorable positions and uh, honorable things to do for God. Amen. Amen. So we really just needed to study to see why Paul said I, I bet he, well I don't say that, but sometimes when we say stuff we wish we wouldn't have said it that way. And if, and, and if, if I could speak with Paul he probably would say I wish I wouldn't have wrote that that way about women should be silent in the church. Because that's not that's not what he meant. He meant for them to be silent. Because you have to understand the uh, uh, construction is the only word to come to my mind of the church at that time. The men sat on this side and the women sat on that side. And what he was saying was, if the person teaching say something you don't understand. Don't stand up from this side and scream at your husband and ask him, what are you talking about? He says in the scriptures, wait till you get home, man. So it was a specific reason that Paul wrote that. Amen. Amen. So he says, uh, verse 2, he says, so the church leader must be, uh, the bishop must be blameless. Blameless. Let's talk about that first. Blameless. Uh, the, N the NLT that I'm reading, it says, whose life is above reproach. Mm -hmm. Meaning, it ain't that folk ain't gonna talk about you bad, it just shouldn't be the truth. Amen. <laughs> now remember the old people you say, believe none of what you hear, and half of what you see. 
So sometimes people seeing stuff that's not really what they think they see. So it's not the point that nobody not gonna talk about you bad. Our job as the leaders of the church is to make sure that it ain't, that it ain't true. Mm-hmm. Now watch this. If there is a uh, uh, flaw or a chink in your armor, the Bible says confess your faults one to another. So there's some things that folk can come tell you about your pastor. Well, they might think they come and tell you something you don't know, but I try to live my life in front of y'all as an open book. And that way nobody can't come destroy the church trying to sneak behind my back telling y'all what I'm doing. So I beat them to the punch. See, always beat the devil to the punch. Because the devil, what's, what's one of the names uh, of the devil in Revelation that calls him the what? The accusers? Oh, the brothers. Yeah. And that's what he likes to do. But watch this. If he ain't got nothing to accuse you of, he ain't got no weapon on you. Amen. So if you're drinking, yeah, we should stop drinking. We, we shouldn't be drinking. But if you're drinking, don't try to hide it because all you're doing is giving the devil some ammo. If you're smoking, if you got a side piece, amen, don't try to hide it because all you're doing is giving the, the devil ammo. And as the pastor, I can't afford to do that because not only is uh, somebody coming gossiping is detrimental on me, it's detrimental on the whole church. Now, pew members can get away with that because if, if a pew member get caught doing something, that, that ain't gonna destroy the church. But if us in leadership get caught doing something we ain't got no business, that can destroy the whole church. So the Bible says, confess your fault what? One to another. Amen? All right, so he says, uh, not only should he be above reproach and blameless, uh, it also says that he should be a husband of what? One wife. One wife. So we can't go back to the old times. It was good that David had all them concubines and all them wives. You know, as a man, we would love if it was still that way, but it ain't. <laughs> amen. Oh, okay, amen, amen, amen. He says we should be vigilant. Vigilant. What your Bible say right there? Vigilant. Temperament. Temperate. 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 Amen. Temperate. Self-control. Say that again. Exercise self-control. You cannot be a leader in the church and be uh, with your feelings on your shoulders. No, let me let me put it a different way. That you can't control your emotions. Hot-headed. Argumentative. Amen. You have, watch this. Let me show you, let me show you something else. Have you ever been in, a, in an arena, a Christian arena, where we're supposed to be uh, discussing scripture? And you got to facilitate. But everybody want to argue about everything that's being said. Mm-hmm. The premise is this. Make sure you have your Bible open when you teach from the Bible. Amen. So my pastor taught me that when you teaching somebody, you make sure you leave that in between them and God and not them and you. But an argumentative person, the person all they're trying to do is make their point. Now we just got an argument going on in a classroom. And the facilitator ain't even always right. I know the Bible is right. Amen. Since I've been studying for Revelations, you'd be surprised how many different viewpoints I've heard and read on the book of Revelation. I mean, some of them are so idiotic. I'm like, 
What, what, did you not read Peter then? Did you like not go read the rest of the Bible? You just went to Revelations and started reading it? Hey, listen, if the Bible had already interpreted something, why do you keep trying to reinterpret it? I'm going to move on. Says he must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control. Live wisely. Uh, I want to use the King James for this one right here. He says, be sober and of good behavior. Now, this is what I always tell y'all, and I've been telling y'all this since, night, since 2009. It's okay to go to the family reunion. It's okay to go to the party, even if your family, your cousin, are having a party at the club. Amen. It's okay for you to go. What I always say, though. Don't you be the one hanging from the chandeliers hollering, whoopee! Let's get this party started. Don't you be, don't you be leading this old train line. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's not a good example. You can do it out of this old train. <laughs> Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with that dance having fun. Because what he's trying to do is not take away Christians having fun. What he's trying to do is make sure that Christ Christians can represent God in everything they do. He says whether you eat or whether you drink, Make sure that what? God can get the glory. It says sober-minded. I always took that. If you are in that drinking whatever, don't go try to make life-altering decisions. That's what yeah. I take for being sober-minded. Yeah. You're part and part. Yeah. Don't try to all of a sudden start yeah. making and financial decisions and, you know, yeah. job changes or whatever. And honestly, know. that scripture has nothing to do with with. Right, with, with euphoric mind. The, honestly, the word in this context doesn't even have nothing to do with a euphoric mind. It has to do with clear thinking. Like you say, don't be go trying to make important decisions and you're not in your right mind. Because watch this. It ain't just alcohol and drugs that can take you out your right mind. You do not think clearly when you mad. Hallelujah. Watch, watch this. The devil, the devil proved to us that he, he know we can't think clear when we hungry. That's why he offered Jesus bread right off the bat. The Bible says Jesus was hungry. Here he comes talking about make yourself a loaf of bread. Yeah. See? Well, why? Because he knows sometimes when we're hungry, we, we, don't, we ain't going to think straight. I'm trying to get hungry. Amen. So he says, not given to wine. Don't be no lush. Now, some people take this to say senior pastors, uh, heads of the church shouldn't be drinking at all. But whatever the context is, whether you drinking, we got to be able to admit. Uh, well, let me go back to this. He said, confess your faults one to another. And what the church has done in my lifetime, and I don't know what the church used to do, but I know in my lifetime, since I've been uh, in my Christian experience, church made liars out of church folk. Because the church puts you in a position to lie about who you really are. Mm -hmm. So you come here for about an hour and a half, two hours a week, being one person. But then for the rest of the time, you just hold other person. No, be who you are. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. Whether you're here for an hour and a half or out there for the rest of the week, God, God, the Holy Spirit with you everywhere. God sees, God sees all. Watch this. Now, I don't know if y'all remember this. This is why I keep encouraging us. Don't forget what you've already read. And how many times in them Old Testament prophets did we see that God had angels that in some of the texts they call them watchers and they go back and report to God. Would you think that was just an Old Testament thing? Mm -hmm. No, that's what people think. 
If the Bible says in Colossians uh, chapter 2, I think it is, or chapter 1, around verse 16, he says that Jesus made everything visible and what? That's right. There's, watch this. He said, your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? In other words, they got forces on this earth that has grand effect in our life that we can't beat you. Your five senses cannot detect what's actually in this room. Actually, you know, not to get all philosophical, but our lives are actually just like the movie The Matrix. What you see ain't what you see. <laughs> the nerve for your left eye is on the back right-hand side of your brain. And vice versa, the nerve for this eye is on this side of the brain in the back. So really, we see like this. No, no, read up on, read up on vision. You'd be amazed what the cones and the rods in your eyes do. You'd be amazed. Why your pupils dilate and contract and, and uh, what's the word? Constrict. You'd be amazed. Now watch this. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 139 that we are what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. That's right. They got a lot of stuff about human. Then listen, if we really knew what we was doing, how many of y'all read? Uh, or, or heard that, that, that the president just left the G20 summit. Now, coupled with the G20 summit, they had this other meeting called COP26, COP26, which is a totally environmental thing. Now, if you pay close, close attention, you will be able to garner some stuff that Channel 6 and Channel ABC and NBC, they ain't telling you. Now, if, if, if the world leaders Listen to me carefully. If the world leaders are using such words as uh, uh, extreme, uh, this is our last, this, this decade is our last chance to stop living like we ready to just blow the earth up. If we don't get it done by 2030, and they're not going to get it done. Because what I learned by looking at the COP26 is they started in 2009 and they all agreed to lower emissions and they was gonna send money to poor countries so they can fight climate change and guess what? Not mad countries held up to their the bar. Nobody's really trying. So we living in what Peter said, we living in what? Perilous times. Luke, Luke 21 said what? Around 25. What Luke 21, 25 say? He would say, men's hearts going to be failing them for fear of what's happening on the earth. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. So he says also, uh, hospitable. We must be hospitable. Now, he was really writing that during this time because remember, they was having that, had a church at Oak House. Have you ever been to somebody's house and they made you feel like they didn't want you there? Now here you come, you come to have church. What if the wife and the husband just got to go off? I mean, first call pulled up outside, they had that tan it up. Church folk pull up, you know, we're gonna squash this fight for a little while. But when you walk in the house, you can cut the tension with a knife, it's so true. He's saying be hospitable, be able to invite folk in. And watch this, not only invite them in, treat them, they feed them. That was one thing that the old people did. Watch this, they, people don't do that no more. But you could not go to the old woman's house and her not feed you. Think about it when you was a kid. 
You couldn't go to nobody's house if mama and grandma wasn't trying to feed you. You want something to eat, baby? They, they knew how to be hospitable. That's the art that we've lost. Amen? Apt to teach. Uh, I'm not going to spend much time on that because we got good teachers here. I always, I always just admonish. And, and everybody's done a good job on that. Teach what you're good at. And if you're not good at that, make sure you study real good before you come up here. It's very easy to listen. As long as I've been doing this, it's very easy to know when people have not studied. It's very, very easy to know. Pastor called them, pastors call it bird walk. <laughs> you, bird, you bird walk the whole time around your host. <laughs> Why? Because you don't really know what you're talking about. Amen. Amen. Verse 3 says, not giving the wine, no striker. Now, once again, I don't want to just skip over that not giving the wine because technically, when it comes to drink, not trying to say that drinking is okay, but I can show you scriptures all throughout the Bible where alcohol is involved. He even mentioned one time strong drinks. I had to look that up. Like, what's the difference? Amen. Now, we, and, and I'm not skipping over this because when we get to the next section, it's going to come up again. No striker. What your Bible say? Say what? Not violent. Not violent. But Which gentle. goes along with what? What was the other one? Temperance. Uh-huh. 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 In leadership. Now, me, Craig, and Elder, we've been in the military. And y'all probably experienced this on your jobs, too, in the secular world. They got some folk that can't handle power. They bad leaders. They real good people. But they terrible leaders. Amen. Now, this is what I tell anybody who complains about leadership. Because the Bible, now remember, we read this already. He's in, in what, what book that was we read where he said, Slaves, submit yourselves unto your masters. Yeah, First Timothy. It might have been in here. I think it was chapter one. No, yeah, yeah, it's in, 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 at the end of chapter one. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, at the end of chapter one or chapter two. So he says that we should be. Uh, Obedient, I think it was in that last book we read, to our masters. Because remember, I, I gave this long thing about slavery. Because in America, we've we blown slavery out of proportion. First of all, black folk act like they were the only one that was slave. <laughs> I, listen, I'm really not trying to be cold hearted or nothing, but get over it. You can't, to me, now this is just to me. You can't hold what slave masters did, and if you meet a, you meet a family, and I'm gonna use Robert E. Lee family for example. They showed an interview around the time George Floyd uh, died. They showed an interview where people found out that these people was kin to Robert E. Lee, and they was giving them the business like they was Robert E. Lee, like they was the slave owners. That's really not fair to do. Amen. So. We look at uh, the definition of these words and try to keep it in perspective. Uh oh. Not greedy behind the filthy lucre. What's filthy lucre? <coughs> Not greedy behind my. <coughs> I told somebody just day before yesterday you never know somebody tell you real quick. You never know a person. <coughs> 
and money, if, if we would try to sum up one of the grandest problems in this culture is what we'll do for money. At this juncture, I'll call it what the Bible says, the love of money. Because when you do anything for it, anything, you know, my job, when we was in uh, Iraq, in Desert Storm, my job at the end of the day, because I was the medic who was in charge of sanitation, that was part of my job as the medic, sanitation. So at the end of the day, I had to go pull all the buckets out from under the urinals that people been using all day long. It behooved me to make sure I did it every day. Because otherwise I was dealing with two days worth of crap that I didn't. So I tried to make sure I did it every day. And that was my job. So I was working when I got out. I was out of the military. I was working for a chiropractor. And she asked me to do something that wasn't really in my job. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And she was like, wow, you really just don't do it? <laughs> I said, no. You know what I did? Let me tell you what my job used to be. And I told her about that. I said, this little thing you asked me to do? That's nothing compared to pulling buckets from under crackers all day. So what I'm telling you is you have to learn how to submit to your authority. Uh, only thing I tell young people is if you have a problem with authority, when you get in charge, you just make sure you're not like that. But guess what I found out? Hmm. Guess what I found out? When you become the one in charge, you go all of a sudden understand why that person did the things that they did. Hallelujah. So don't be try, you know, the Bible says in the book of James, don't be quick to try to run up and be a teacher. He said, why? Don't be judged more harshly. Yeah. Okay. So we have to be real, real careful with authority and looking out for this money, this filthy lucre, because if, if you get yourself in a position to where you'll do anything for money, now I use that, I use that example about pulling the thing out, is because that was an honorable, it was my job, and it wasn't illegal, amen? Now it might have been a little self-deprecating for the first few days, but, but let me tell you how, how God worked that out for me, because I was really embarrassed about it the first few days, but let me show you how God worked it out for me. I don't know if y'all know this, but in the desert, just as hot as it be in the daytime, in the wintertime, it can get just that cold at night. I'm talking about 147, 150 degrees in the daytime. So when it get down to 79 and 80 at night, that's cold. So since I had the crappers burning all the stuff inside of it, I had the heat. <laughs> so everybody from the, the, around the area would come and talk and get their coffee and talk and smoke their cigarettes. So I had the whole crew with me. All things are, so I wasn't by myself anyway, because everybody would be around the fire, shoot the breeze. They would, they would stand on the upside of the window, <laughs> you know. But I do what I have to do to make sure my family takes care of I encourage and employ every man to at least have that mindset. Amen. I don't think I have to encourage women to do it, because it's, it's inside of them to take care of families. But for whatever reason, men, We've somewhat lost that passion to, to say, watch this, I, I, I gotta do what I gotta do. Now tell the truth, when the last time you heard a man say that? I hear women say it all the time. Yeah, yeah, unless it's negative. 
But to have a legal, uh, a honorable job, I'm gonna do what I gotta do, but you can't get me to go back to selling dope no more. Mm -mm. I don't care how I don't care how bad money gets. Hallelujah. So in other words, let me move on. Don't, don't fall in love with what he what he titled here in the King James, filthy lucre. What does he call it in some of the other versions? Not greedy for money. Not greedy for money. What else? Say that. Not a lover of money. Amen. We all know we got to have money to live on this earth, but don't do anything to get it. Hallelujah. Amen. But patience. Now, in my King James, it says, not greedy for filthy lucre, semicolon, but patience. You see how those two go together? In other words, give God time to work it out for you. Don't just go doing anything for money. Is that how it is in your life? Let me see how it is in this in the, in the, in the living room. Uh huh. See, the NLT, the NLT left, left it out all together. That's why you got to have these different versions of the Bible because you'll notice some, some literary differences. But I want you to understand one of the first things that I learned when we went to theological school, and, and Pastor Charles did too, you got to learn how to read your punctuations. You got to stop at periods and pause at commas and get excited at it and see how we notice a semicolon was in, in the King James. Yeah, you got you to understand that a colon and a semicolon mean he got something else to say pertaining to what was just said. So he says, don't be greedy behind Mr. Luther, but patient. In other words, let God work it out. Amen? Not a brawler. Well, he's talked about that three times already in a different word. Not covetous. What, what does that mean? Covetous. What does it mean to cover? To cover. Yeah, somebody else can... yeah. yeah. Looking at other people's stuff just more because you see it. Now listen to me carefully. Uh, those of you who still raising little children. Listen to me. Listen, listen. Now this, this, this is a hint on children. Don't allow your children to be oblivious of something until they see you with it. Then all of a sudden they just got to have it. That wasn't even on your mind until you saw me walk in the door. So I used to I used to shut mine down right there on the spot. If you wanted something like that, you should have said you wanted that. But as soon as you see me with it, all of a sudden you want it. If you don't stop that when they're a child, they're going to grow up doing that same thing in adult life. Yeah. You just want stuff that you see other people with. You didn't really want that. What'd you say? Cut, uh, 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 not only do you want it, you don't even want them to have it. Now that's some serious hating right there. <laughs> Amen. He says, verse 4, one that rules, okay, one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Parenthetically, he says in verse 5, for if a man doesn't know how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? I don't know if I should make a comment on this. Yeah, him too. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm old school. I'm going to try to say it diplomatically as I can. 
I'm old school. And the reason I'm old school and I won't change from being old school because old school works. I'm not going to change to this new way of thinking because nobody proved to me yet that it works. Now remember last week, we took time last week to go to Genesis chapter 3 and I showed you that under the curse, one of the uh, punishments to the woman under the curse was that she would have a desire to rule over her husband. That's part of the curse. And we got power struggles going on in our homes these days. And the women winning. That's not how it's supposed to be. Verse 5. For if a woman don't know how to rule her own house, how can she take care of the church of God? Now you know I'm being facetious because when we started verse chapter 1, he says that the bishop should be a man of one wife, which implies that the primary leaders of the church should be men. Mm -hmm. Now that's the implication in that sentence. That the, the primary leaders of the church, not that women can't lead in the church, but the primary overseers in the church should be men. Now, if anybody get mad, you ain't mad at me for saying it, you're mad at God for, for publishing it. Because you can't tell the truth in this society no more. And the truth is what it is. So, under the curse, now I want to keep emphasizing that point. Under the curse, God's word says that a woman will have a desire to rule over her husband. Under the curse. How do you get from under the curse that was given in the Adamic covenant? Say it loud. Except Jesus. When we accept Christ as our personal Savior, we're no longer under the curse, which means you shouldn't be exhibiting cursed behavior. Verse 6, not a novice. My Bible says novice. What yours say? Not a, not a what? Recent convert. That's right. In other words, as soon as you meet somebody, because watch this. How many of most of us, well, all of us in this room old enough to know people can put on airs. That's a nice way of saying people can be fake. And you meet somebody, uh, guys from a mission, for example. Guys from prison, for example. Some of them knew the word just like we did. Oh, man, to quote that word, man, they can talk that game. We know somebody, ooh, they can talk that talk. And you meet them for one week, one month, and you done messed around and ordained them and put them in charge of the church. And you ain't get to know them, do Now that knucklehead got power and running around town doing stuff in the name of the church and don't even come here no more. Not a novice. Not somebody new. Make them work for a while. 
when they picked the first deacons, how did how did uh, how did they tell them how to pick the first deacons? What did the apostles tell them to do? In the book of Acts, what did he say? Choose a man from among yourself. In other words, choose somebody you know. Don't, don't put an ad in the paper on, the, on your church Facebook page saying, we read the hire pastors. We need a pastor. So now you're taking resumes from all over the country. And you get this joker down here and interview him one time, two times. And he putting on his airs, putting all his R's in the right place in his words. Got his suit and tie on. Hallelujah. Didn't come to the interview with the alcohol on his breath, amen. Because anybody can stop drinking for an hour or two. And you, you, you mess around and hide that joke as your pastor. And this is the new word. You didn't vet him well. In other words, you didn't investigate him well. And find out he got a murder charge from where he was. Was a drunk. Hallelujah. Womanizer. But now you didn't, you didn't hide him. So you got one or two choices. You either keep him and put him up in that mess or you get rid of him and start another search. But when you start another search, who's to say you're not going to get the same thing? The Bible says, choose ye from among yourselves. Amen. Let's be in, this is why you don't pick them too, too young. Look at what he said, too quick. Not, watch, this don't have nothing to do with age. I said that wrong. It's got to do with uh, experience with somebody. He says, let's be lifted up with pride. He fall into condemnation of the devil. See, get to know people before you put them in charge at the church. And watch this. When you do put them in charge, put them in charge of little stuff. See how they see how they deal with that first. Mm -hmm. Amen. Verse 7. Moreover, he must have who must have? He must have. Who must have? He. Okay, we, we all together on that, right? Mm -hmm. Now that pronoun means something. Not listen, watch this. Not necessarily, though. Matter of fact, these gender-neutral people don't want you calling them a he or a she. They want you to call them a them or a them. You got to check that out? Y'all ain't watching the right news. You got to watch CBN news. You got to get past Pat Robinson. You really do. Get past his eight minutes of talking crazy, Republican talk, and then watch CBN news. And you're going to see some stuff that you ain't going to never see on ABC and NBC News. And you can watch them all at the same time. And the, 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 the secular station's gonna be telling you this, and CBN and all these other little stations that's privately owned, they ain't owned by the beast and the, and the false prophet. <laughs> they gonna be telling you what's really happening around the world. You see more news about Africa on CBN News? How often do you see news about Africa on uh, ABC and CBN? Unless something big happened, that's right. They're going to show you the negative stuff. A tsunami just wiped it out. See? They're going to show you how prosperous the people is and how, how many businesses they started. When they came on the news saying about how many black people from America moved into Ghana, next day they had a story about Ghana, about how they got all the little boys diving deep in the water for a certain kind of fish or something. Y'all didn't tell us that story until y'all heard black people, 5,000 black people that moved from America to Ghana. All of a sudden, you showed me a story about Ghana, about how they doing uh, young boys.
listen, how many of y'all know that Stockholm is in Google? Stockholm is in Google. Google it. It's what a lot of black people in America got. A lot of black folk in America got Stockholm. Stockholm is in Google. Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. yeah. You're in love with your oppressor. Like most times women get kidnapped by somebody they don't believe because they, they got Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, you fall in love with the one who built you dirty. This joker that had control of you for 400 some years ain't done right by you in no kind of way. The Asians, five Asians get beat up. They got an Asian hate bill already. <laughs> They've been whipping niggas. I mean, They've been whipping black folk down for 400 years. We begging for a, 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 a hate bill. Still can't get one. And I ain't trying to make fun of the Asians. Don't get me wrong, it ain't their fault. But they got together and yelled for five days. They got five of them got knocked down. They got a hate bill just like that. A lot of black folk in America got Stockholm Syndrome. You in love with your oppressor. Everything they say, everything they put on TV, you ready to run for it. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and a snare of the devil. Even the unsafe folk need to be talking good about you. Because watch, Paul said this, he says, I, I know how to act like all people that, that I might save one. He said, I have to come like all men. To the Jews, I not act like the Jews. To the Gentiles, I not act like the Gentiles. <laughs> he proved it too. How many of y'all remember when him and Peter was eating with some, some Gentiles? They found out chitlins and poke bones taste good. But when the Jews turned the corner, Peter saw him, and Peter backed up like he wasn't eating a herb. Wife, he wiped his mouth off real quick. Probably went and washed his mouth off so he couldn't smell the poke on him. And when Paul saw him do it, Paul said, I charged him up right to his face. And if you read that scripture, you're going to see, Paul told him, he says, you making Jesus, you making the whole gospel look bad, because this is what the gospel is about, about including everybody. Now, since you're going to draw back and act like you can't hang with the people now because your homies didn't came around, you fake, man. Read Galatians chapter, I think it's in Galatians chapter 2. He charged him up, bro. Amen. Verse 8. He says, likewise, the deacons also, everybody say likewise. likewise. Now you're going to notice most of, most of these qualifications are the same for the deacon and, and the, the, the uh, head overseer. Likewise, must the deacons be grave. What's the word there in your Bible? Reverend. Amen. 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 Respect. That, that's right. That's right. Now, since we got some deacons in the room, I ain't gonna stick on this point long, but uh, you ain't no different than me and Ellen. Don't think you can get away with stuff we, we can't get away with. Why? What, what, word, what word makes me say that? Likewise. Likewise. That's right. Okay. Uh, not given to much wine. See how this one says much wine. So that's where the people who uh, interpret for the head overseers, we shouldn't drink at all. But when it comes to deep deacons, he says much wine. Now when you look it up, let's, let, let's do ourselves a favor and look it up in the original text. Now somebody looked up in the interlinear. Somebody looked up uh, what that said? 
that's it? For the elders, it's verse 3. Yeah, you look up verse 3 of the Illuminium. Uh, everybody, somebody else look up verse 8, where it's for the deacons. Now, let's see if that language is the same. Or if the American uh, translation has much wine. Or do both of them say the same thing? So hit the 8. It's going to take you to the verse. Then hit the INT. So he says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not to whine much. So what does verse 3 say? Follow. Not giving the wine. So it says not giving to wine. See, and that's where people make that distinction at. When you look at how it has that, that word much, the interpretation says that the, the primary leaders of the church shouldn't be drinking at all, and then the deacons shouldn't sit long at wine. In other words, he's encouraging both of us not to be no drunk. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now, let me, let me say this before I move on. Now, listen to me carefully. If you live by yourself, you might be able to get, get, get away with it. But if you live with folk, you can't even get drunk at home. You know why? Because some of us got people we live with that can't wait to throw us under the bus. Now that's just a fact. Some people we live with like to take your secrets that, that's at your house, but when they get mad at you, they like to use what you're doing at home against you. Yeah. When you look at the Greek from the 3943, it says one who not one who sits long at one. Yeah, that's what I say. Don't sit. That's for deacon. But when you look not at verse three, verse, verse three say that too? It's the same word. It's, it's the same word. Greek word 3943. Right. Amen. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very, very careful in your leadership of the church. Because remember, I'm not going to stay on this long, but I told y'all before, when Vaughn told me I was getting into the hardest job in the world. He said, Jack, it's the hardest thing to do to pastor friends and family. And I, I, I found that to be true. Over these 11, 12 years, I didn't find it to be true. It's best to go, watch this. Didn't the Bible say Jesus ain't had no honor in his own hometown? Mm -hmm. Same principle. Same principle. Amen. Over there, smell like alcohol. 
And he, huh, and he might get a DUI on the way there. That's right. That's right. So we just, we really watch this. Be wise as a servant. Amen. So in, in everything we do, he even put it this way. He says, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, make sure God gets some glory. Whatever it is that we're doing, let's make sure. Now watch this. Is there any, can God get any glory out of me stumbling around God? No. Not as his, not as his worship. No, he cannot. God wants to get no glory out of that. Amen? So uh, as, as the primary shepherd, as the pastor, I'm very, 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 uh, I don't want to use the word careful, uh, but when it comes to drinking specifically, as the pastor, I just have to listen. Because you never know. You never know. That would be the worst thing in the world. Now watch this. I have been in a church service. And I'm talking about we was and it was packed. I think it was actually a film, but it was packed. And praise and worship was booming. And one of my homeboys was so drunk, sitting in the bullpen, that he had a Bible bigger than this. And I'm talking about the music is pumping. The brother on the organ, the dude on the drums, and it wasn't no huge church. And he was so drunk, he dropped his Bible on the floor and didn't even know. Crashed out in the pulpit, crashed out. Been in the church service? Reverend come through the door, come in the pulpit, and everybody got to change their breathing pattern. You must have you must have hit the cigarette on the door and uh, like this at the door. And plucked it out and came right on in. That's not fair. That's not fair to me. You keep your stuff at your house. Amen. Amen. Don't get scared. I'm gonna just tell the truth about it. Y'all already know. Amen. I'm gonna just tell the truth about it. You keep your stuff at your house. You should you should not, especially as the primary overseer, you should not come sitting up in the pulpit in what represents the most holy. And people got to change their breathing pattern. That's not fair to everybody else. You may feel free in your relationship to smoke two packs a day. You and Christ might be cool like that. But I, I don't want my suit. I don't want to have to go home and my suit smell like smoke because I sat by you. How many of y'all remember Sabbath Rest first started? We ain't had nothing here but some pews in that pulpit. That's mm. all we had here. And we had a friend that lived close by. And he used to like to walk down to the church. And he did the right thing. He sat in the back. After the church, somebody would come up to me and like, he, he come down here smelling like alcohol. I said, well, you smell like new folks go sit back. Mm -hmm. But the primary overseer, if I ever come to church and y'all smell, look on me. Let me know. Don't just sit around and go talking about it. I don't drink when I know you got church. Amen. Amen. I don't drink if I know I got to go do ministry. Now, if I mess around and get that call, and I've been to, we've been to London, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, that's, that's what I'm going to tell you. Elder, somebody needs to go to the hospital. Hey, hey, can you go upstairs and pray for something? Mm -hmm. That's why you got other ordained ministers. Don't you go up there smelling like alcohol making God look bad. 
But the pastor that ain't got no ordained ministers on his team, no ordained deacons, because he thinks he can do it all by himself, he in trouble. Because it ain't just drinking. Sometimes we just can't make it. Sometimes you're out of time. Come on, let's dance in the court. Sometimes you just can't make it. And Jethro told Moses, he said, listen, you got to go pick people to put on them at 50 and hundreds at a time. Because how many of y'all realize that it was like so, it was, it was like, I heard the number 1.7 million people came out of Egypt that day. That night, I should say. 1.7 million people, and here go Moses running around in the wilderness trying to take care of all them problems. You know how many problems you got with 1.7 million people? And the Bible already told us they stood at the doors of their tent every day murmuring and complaining. So in other words, you got 1.7 unsatisfied people on your hands. 1.7 million unsatisfied folk. Moses was running himself crazy. <laughs> That's why he had an attitude problem. That's right. So let's, let's represent God well, amen? All those things we do wrong, admit what you got wrong in your life. The Bible says confess your faults one to another. But then after you confess your faults, don't use that as no reason to keep on going. Let's try to be good. Let's try to be our best for God, amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of the everlasting name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord, we thank you, we love you, we honor you, we trust you, we magnify you, God. Father, we want to live for you. So in all of those areas, God, that Paul is uh, revealing to us, Father, uh, every person in this room is a leader in the church, God. So we thank you, Father, that we have leadership. But, God, as we are in leadership, God, we ask right now in Jesus' name that you would help us, Father, to look at this book of 1 Timothy and try our best, God, to come in line with those things that Paul wrote so that we won't embarrass you, God. We want to be like David and Joseph, Father. We don't want to commit this sin against you. So, God, we thank you for choosing us and using us. We uh, confess our faults one to another, God, and we ask that you would just bless us, God, and not bless us in our sins, God, but bless us that you would not sin no more. So, Father, we thank you and we love you, we trust you, we honor you, we magnify you, and it is in the wonderful name of your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that we pray. Jesus and that all God's people say amen. Amen. And amen.